Dan Metcalf, hello. Hello. So really, really interesting um, study. Um, before we get some into sort of the particulars, tell me how it came about and, and why you wanted to look at this in the first place. So I think this kind of question and this kind of topic has probably come up many, many times by um, by many researchers who have worked in, in particularly in the major sort of research stations around the world, not just in the Arctic. For me, it was because for most of my younger career as a PhD and postdoc, I'd worked in fairly poorly known small um, research sites. And the first time I came to a really big, um, globally renowned research station, it happened to be in the Arctic. And I just, I think the first seed of the thought came in northern Sweden. And I felt like I was in a really, you know, wild and fairly remote place. It is a small town, you know, there's like 60 permanent inhabitants. And I drove past this, this guy getting off a bus with his huge suitcase and as I drove past, he looked faintly familiar. And I, I realized afterwards that he was this very, very famous international scientist. I think I'd seen him like once at a conference. And it was just, I don't know, it was weird. I'd never really seen him properly. And then, but this happened over and over again. And it was so strange to be at this really random, tiny location, but just to see these people putting these names to faces, these international scientists, you know, doing the dishes or you know, in the supermarket, picking up some groceries. And it just was a weird experience to me who hadn't experienced it before, this strange island of international scientists, you know, sort of all clustered together on at this very, very specific point on, you know, in, in a very remote location. And, and so which, which, which community was it near in Sweden, in northern Sweden? This was in Arbisco Research Station in okay. Arbisco in uh, Norrbotten okay. in northern Sweden. So, and it just made me, yeah, it just made me think, you know, the first germination, the idea, wow, like it's so weird. It seems like half of the European science community working on Arctic issues basically come to this station, it felt like. And so it made me think like, wow, you know, I, I mean... I wonder how much of Swedish research or Scandinavian research or global research on the Arctic is performed at just this one location. And so that was the start of the idea. And so tell us about the study that we're talking about today. How did you go about it and what did you, did you find at the end of it? What we did very simply was we searched databases which store or nearly all scientific literature online and you can search them. And so we systematically searched through these databases using very, very simple keywords like Arctic or subarctic, so keeping it purposely very vague and general. And so we got a preliminary list of thousands and thousands of papers. We then went through all of these papers and first of all verified that they were, re that they were relevant. And we then extracted the, we read through the papers uh, to extract the physical coordinates of where they were located, where the, the study was performed. We then plotted it on a map so we could see where all of these thousands of papers uh, were, where, where, where the data was collected from. And what we found 
was in a way, of course, obvious that the the research that's performed across the Arctic is heavily, heavily, heavily clustered around a very few number of locations. So that was the primary finding. And then there, we then thought, well, why is it a problem that there's a geographic variation in research across the Arctic? And we think it's a problem because we assume that if there's clustering in space, that also means that there's physical factors that are also biased. So we're then we're likely also only sampling a small range of the full spectrum of variation in in physical variables, in biological variables, and chemical variables that exist out there in, in, in the whole Arctic. So we tried to get at that question too by extracting for all of these locations uh, the annual temperature, the predicted change in temperature, and then the uh, a kind of an index of the amount of vegetation and uh, some measure of the change in vegetation density over time for all of these locations. And we selected these because these, these are all fairly important um, factors which will likely affect a whole range of, of other variables that are important both for the the ecosystem functioning and also for local communities. And what we found similarly was indeed that the geographical clustering also translated into clustering and sampling of these physical and biological variables. So there were portions of the physical and biological environments that have not been very well sampled by Arctic science. So now we know these precisely are the locations where there's very little that's been sampled and there's very little scientific attention has been paid to these locations. So they kind of provide potentially a roadmap for where to go in the future. Well, Dan Metcalf, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you.